Welcome to the Guy at the Movies podcast with Joe and Sean. I am Joe, Guy at the Movies. This is episode 27. Sean, how are you? Um, at this point, uh, the holiday cheer is amongst me. Uh, I am about 87% Christmas cookie at this point, or, you know, that's just the inside of me. Um, but, is that the name uh, of the beer you're drinking? Oh, <laughs> 87% Christmas cookie. That sounds like a good beer name. I like that. <laughs> Fair enough. And we have a guest with us today, Big Ace of Movie Reviews with Big Ace. How are you? Good. You know, just doing it. Feeling strong today. Thanks for having me on the podcast. <laughs> trying to feeling... wheel and deal, trying to pay my bills during COVID. <laughs> All good fun. Feeling hoping, strong. hoping the uh, critic critic career pops off sometime soon, too. Preach. I won't be mad. I won't Preach. be mad. You and I are two people that went to law school and went through all that hell. And now we're like, eh, well, if I can become a critic. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I don't, I don't know. About, I mean, law school is a lot like being a critic, too. Yeah. yeah. No, never mind. I'm not going down that path. This is a friendly podcast. We're going to have fun. We're not going to talk about the hell that is law school and everything. Um, all right. So we have a lot of news that we want to get to today. Uh, and this is on the heels of last week's episode, which was all about Disney Investor Day. So we may touch on that a little bit tonight based on different conversations uh, that we may get into. But first, let's start off with what we have been watching um, we're going to switch it up a little bit this week and just talk about our top picks because one thing that Sean and I realized and kind of recapping kind of where we go with the episodes each week is we watch a lot of movies. Sean in particular laps me like three yes. times in movies. <laughs> Way too many movies, far Way too many. many, but I haven't watched any this week really except for a couple. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> um, and uh, I've been a little behind on them. So what we're going to do is just kind of focus on the one that we want you to know about that we've watched. And starting off, I, I finally got around to Meryl Streep's Let Them All Talk, uh, which is on HBO Max. Uh, it's it's getting pretty mixed reviews because the tone of the film is very uh, somber in a way. I guess that's, that's the way I would put it. It's very one note. Uh, Lucas Hedges is in it, and uh, he's one of my favorite act young actors. I think everything he's been in has just been phenomenal in terms of his performance. But it's really a you know, a film where Meryl Streep is not the most likable uh, and her character is a writer on a cruise ship with two friends that she invites as well as her nephew played by Hedges. And there's some stuff in the past that gets dredged up and they really are learning to address all of it uh, and figure out kind of where things went wrong in their lives in terms of the relationship. Uh, and, you know, Meryl Streep, even when she is the most unlikable character, is still putting on, a you know, a, a whirlwind lesson uh, on how to act when it comes to you know any type of personality that she may be portraying. So uh, I, I really enjoyed it, to be quite honest. It's very different, um, but I, I really did enjoy it. I know, Sean, you saw it as well, didn't you? So what's interesting about this movie is that it was, uh, with the exception of an outline, completely improvised mm -hmm. in uh, most of its scenes. And um, I thankfully read that fact before I saw it because it's sort of like, I, I was able to watch all of these artists sort of make magic happen in the dialogue. And that could be why it has mixed reviews because it is literally women and Lucas Hedges talking on a boat uh, ship, excuse me. Um, and I don't want to get in trouble with the cruise industry. Um, and that's pretty much it with the exception of a couple of events towards the end, which are a little bit monumental, but mm -hmm. I loved the idea of Soderbergh just saying, all right, I'm going to film, like live action on a cruise. Like they didn't like shut down the cruise. They just had the cruise going. Let's just let these ladies talk. You know, we have a little bit of an outline of how this story is going to go and that's it. And Soderbergh always loves to do those crazy movies. He loves to try the experimentation. And this one, I think it paid off. 
Yeah, I would agree with that. Ace, did you have a chance to catch this, or are you aware no, of it? At all? I didn't. It's just not my style of movie. I, yeah. I couldn't. It, it looked a little depressing, a little too grim right now. Meryl Streep is the goat, but I just <laughs> I didn't want to deal with it right now. She is wonderful. It's really funny too. After watching her in the prom and then watching her in this, I'm like, man, she has such great range. Um, but in terms of scripts and you know, kind of acting off the cuff and stuff, uh, your film, Sean, for this week is very different because it's adapted from a play. Uh, yes, I uh, saw on Netflix, I saw Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, um, which, you know, is getting some sort of, uh, you know, divisive praise at uh, certain times. The one thing that everyone can agree on is that the uh, two lead performances from Chadwick Boseman and uh, uh, Viola Davis are absolute top. They're truly wonderful. Um, and Boseman is absolutely legendary in this. It's so tragic that we lost him. And He's legendary. If, if if he was still with us right now, this would be one of his. You know, this would be his best performance. And uh, we lost him unfortunately. And this is still his best performance. Um, Viola Davis is playing entirely against type. Here's where the criticisms could come in. I don't think this is true with it, but uh, a lot of people say, "Well, when you adapt a play, it gets tricky. It seems like it's a play. It seems like it's just a play where you're in the two rooms. Now you are in the two rooms here." They film this, uh, George C. Wolf, the director, films this in such an intimate way that this does not feel like I'm watching a stage play, even though they're in those two settings. That's true. Even though the story, there's not much of a story. It's just them trying to uh, film a record. But the journey that the characters go on and the introspection the characters have is what I'm truly watching this for and is what makes it. Um, I was sort of amazed. I was nervous about seeing this one. I was thinking, I know the performances are going to be great. I know that's going to happen, but I don't like when I feel like it's a play. And some people have argued with me saying they, they still feel like it's a play. Cool. I think that this does a little bit more and like turns it into a movie and has that strong adaptation. Yeah. Very interesting because there's a film coming out. Uh, I believe also on Amazon, One Night in Miami, that is similar. Mm -hmm. It's an adaptation of a play. And I felt like it was a play watching it because um, it's very much the same. They kind of are in the same location most of the movie. Uh, and it's really just uh, a discussion that is filmed. But You already saw that, One Night in Miami? I did. I saw was that it good? last week. I enjoyed it. Um, I am not as big on it as a lot of other people are. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, it the discussions are very impactful. I do think that it could have gone deeper. Um, but I, the reason I haven't reviewed it yet is because I'm still wrestling with that. I'm wondering if that's because that's my perspective as a white male, um, thinking like, Oh, this conversation could have gone deeper. Uh, or, you know, if there's something I missed in there, but, um, it's the acting is fantastic. It's very similar, I guess, to Ma Rainey's here, right? Like the, mm -hmm. the performances were phenomenal. Uh, so I'm excited to see kind of how that plays out in Oscar land. But um, Ace, what have you been up to in terms of watching stuff? So I rewatch any given Sunday over the weekend. And that that movie is uh, way underappreciated as far as football films. I think it has to be it has to be top three um, because I, I love this film because it kind of goes into the mindset of every different character on a football yeah. team. Everybody from you know, the owners to the medical personnel to the athletes. So you've got, you know, Cameron Diaz, who is the the young owner, um, you know, young, new hotshot owner. And she's obviously hot. You know, Jamie Foxx is the third stringer who comes out of nowhere. LL Cool and gets super cocky. LL Cool J is the seasoned vet who's already super cocky. There's a guy with a head injury and, and the doctor is kind of going back and forth on whether to, whether to play him. 
Um, and the movie is actually super progressive. I did not realize how progressive that movie was uh, until recently. I mean, you've got a female owner of the team. There's literally a scene where she's in a locker room full of giant naked dudes, and she's literally shaking hands with giant naked men. Um, you know, and like she's the owner of the team. That's that's pretty progressive, if you ask me. And you've got uh, Jamie Foxx in there too, already talking about this movie came out. I think in I want to say 2001 or 1999, and he's already talking about how you know 70 percent of the league is black, and then what percentage of the coaches are black. You know, so they were hitting on some big things. And of course, you've got you know two of the biggest stars of the 90s, LL Cool J um, and Jamie Foxx, right there. I mean, who are still are probably goaded you know they're both probably goaded as far as like singing uh i I'd probably give jamie fox the edge on acting there really as far, yeah as far as the rapping and singing goes i'd give it to give it to both of them all right interesting yeah story. yeah where does friday night lights fall in your uh oh friday night lights is so good it's got to be another one it has to be top five yeah. okay and and al pacino don't forget al pacino yeah. any given sunday too he's the lead that speech at the end uh speech where he's where he's doing the uh, i love it he's like if we don't come together now we will fail <laughs> so good <laughs> there is a better so good story. There is a scene in this that I absolutely love, and it's when uh, Al Pacino and Jamie Foxx are arguing, and they're arguing about, you know, he's the third string QB, uh-huh. arguing about how he could play the game. And while they're having this intense argument, there are um, clips of the uh, chariot race from Ben Hur. <laughs> yeah. And I'm yeah. thinking, this is Oliver Stone off the rails, baby. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is just like, him going. And I just see that, and I'm like, okay, he's making a choice. I don't know what this choice is, but I love it. I wasn't completely following that choice either, uh, but I, I was like, why is this here right now? Um, no, it's a good movie. I mean, it's definitely sappy at times. It's hilarious because they'll, they'll go from scenes that are like, there's one scene where two of the coaches are in the bar and they're talking about how pure the game used to be and this and that. And then it just cuts to Jamie Foxx and a man thong and like a music video. There's, there's some good uh, beats like that. A man song. <laughs> then I rewatched. Um, I've watched Return of the King twice this week because it was my girlfriend's birthday last week, and she loves Lord of the Rings. So we watched that baby twice in the past week or so. Um, and the Two Towers. Nice, very nice. Quite I need nice. to do a rewatch of those. Oh, Th- that's that's one it. trilogy where it gets better with each movie. Yeah. I think Return of the King's phenomenal. It's amazing. Yeah, it's such a great movie. I'm a fellowship guy, though, so I say that thing's... St- I mean, I, th- I guess they're all good, but like you could have fellowship as a standalone movie looking pretty great. Um, but I do also adore the other ones, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, I truly adore the other ones. <laughs> I feel like I didn't appreciate them enough when they were when I first saw them. Um, mm-hmm. They came out no when? Yeah. Lord of the Rings 2001, came out. 2004. Okay, so I was... I mean, that's before college and stuff. I was. I guess I was in yeah. high school. Um, interesting. Those are big screen movies. Oh yeah. I mean, we better not like when they do the uh, the charge at the end with all the riders of Rohan, and they just charge with absolutely no battle plan whatsoever, just into the sea of orcs. That's legendary. <laughs> legendary. I live for big battle scenes on screen. That has to be the best. What's a bigger, better battle scene than that? And battle scene. People are today's people, today's generation would argue Endgame probably. Oh, that's a good one though. Endgame. Yeah, that's a that's a very good one, but um, that's tough. That's oh, tough. Avengers! Dude, no, coming out of the portals. That's <laughs> no. a that's a beautiful moment. I'm I am. Um, <laughs> <yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> I don't I, know. I don't know if we'll get further with this, but I, I'll just say that is a beautiful moment in film. Coming out of the <laughs> it was a cool movie, no doubt. Yeah. Like, I don't have a problem with Endgame, but uh, not not nearly as epic, I think, as as Lord of the Rings: Return of the King. You yeah. just can't. I mean, it's. I agree with you there. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to I, well you know i go back to like saving private ryan right oh like, yeah those battle scenes are incredible as well those are heavy mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, all the uh world war ii vets say that that's the like the d-day um you know opening sequence they say that's the most realistic to kind of what the real thing was yeah i remember i heard that and i was like i wish that wasn't the case because that was terrifying that. have you guys I- seen overlord yes that movie <laughs> peaks it peaks in the first 10 minutes. That whole sequence on the plane it's is incredible. True. I'd put that sequence up there with any action sequence ever made. And then unfortunately, that's where the movie peaks. Overlord is the J.J. Uh, Abrams movie that for forever was rumored to be uh, a Cloverfield movie. And then I guess they decided it wasn't going to be. And it's just something completely off the wall. Um, it was fun. I got a good time when I saw it. I wouldn't watch it again, but it was fine. <laughs> That's that's my uh, go-to when I'm like. Yeah. I mean, has a Cloverfield movie or a sequel ever known it's a Cloverfield movie before, like after until after it was made? Because I feel like the two that were made were just like, wait, we're a Cloverfield movie? Like, the aliens are different. What was the movie I watched recently? And I was like, this could easily be a Cloverfield sequel. I can't remember which one that was. I, I hate that this is what it's become. <laughs> <laughs> this could fit in. Um, I don't know. Who knows? I'm sure we'll get more of those on HBO Max now that uh, JJ has a deal with Warner Brothers. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Let's, let's jump into some news and start off with another monster. No, I'm kidding. Um, so oh. <laughs> Tom Cruise uh, had a little bit of a fit on set of Mission Impossible 7 a few weeks back here now uh, related to COVID-19 safety protocols not being followed. What we want to do now is play that two-minute clip for you all. Uh, and then we're going to have a little discussion about, you know, whether he was in the right, whether he was in the wrong, if we agree, if we don't. Uh, it's it's some interesting uh, context, I think, coming from a man who is so highly regarded in the industry uh, and also a producer on this film. One of the first films back uh, in the pandemic to be back in production. And he also wrote most of these protocols, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Ace, you, you would know better there, right? I know that he worked uh, with various groups on the protocols. I'm not sure, though, that he's the one who sat there and wrote all the protocols. Yeah, well, I doubt that. I should have said that part. <laughs> yeah. No, but he not, like, he is the guy on those movies. I'm pretty sure he gets the capital P producer credit. So it's on him. We'll talk about it more, I'm sure, after you play it. All right. So here we go. Here is wonderful Tom Cruise uh, jumping up and down on Oprah's couch. Oh, wrong video. Uh, here is Tom Cruise ripping into crew members who have since departed. You're back here in Hollywood making movies right now because of us! Because they believe in us and what we're doing! I'm on the phone with every studio at night! Insurance companies! Producers! And they're looking at us and using us to make their movies. We are creating thousands of jobs, I don't ever want to see it again. Ever. And if you don't do it, you're fired. And I see you do it again, you're gone. And anyone on this crew does it. That's it. And you too. And you too. And you. 
do it again. That's it. No apologies. You can tell it to the people that are losing their f***ing because our industry is shut down. It's not going to put food on their table or pay for their college education. That's what I sleep with every night. The future of the f***ing industry. So I'm sorry, I'm beyond your apologies. I have told you, and now I want it. And if you don't do it, you're at We are not shutting this f***ing movie down! Is it understood? If I see it again, you're f***ing gone. And so are you. So you're going to cost him his job. And I see it on the set, you're gone. And you're gone. That's it. Am I clear? Do you understand what I want? Do you understand the responsibility that you have? Because I will deal with your reason. And if you can't be reasonable, and I can't deal with your logic, you're fired. That's it. That is it. I trust you guys to be here. All right, so what are the thoughts that first come to mind after hearing that tirade? Ace, let's start with you down there. Yeah, so uh, I, I know you deferred to me earlier. I want to just throw it out there. I am a certified COVID compliance officer. This is real. This is not a joke. I am a COVID. Co I do work on sets out here in Los Angeles as a production assistant and COVID compliance officer, mostly in digital um, and television. Anyway, so I've been the person on set who's literally in charge of making sure people are following uh, the protocols. Anyway, as far as Tom Cruise goes, though, like I, I everything he said is not wrong, you know, I, because I know the studio films are stricter policies than the things that I've worked on with maybe a little bit smaller crews. And when he is the capital P producer, or he is that big executive producer and everything's running through him. If the thing gets shut down, you know, that's ultimately going to fall on his shoulders. So I understand why he's mad. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, I was kind of just thinking about it. It's no different really than a head coach getting on his team about breaking COVID protocols. And I'm sure that's happened. We just haven't heard it because that's not an industry where cameras are rolling around all the time. With that being said, I can't help but laugh a little bit at the tone in Tom Cruise's voice. Like if he was yelling at me, I would really glad I had a mask on because I, I might have started laughing <laughs> uh, just while he's on his like, little tirade, you know. I get why he's pissed. I mean, here's the thing. My understanding, though, is that he was mad because people were hovered around a monitor. I mean, I don't really know what his... Uh, I mean, I don't really know what else you can do. I guess you can rent more monitors. But on the sets that I've worked on, I'm not going to say which ones out of those NDAs and whatnot. There's usually a special zone where just the mandated people need to be, for example. Uh, you know, the cast for that scene and then the key crew people. And it's not a big deal if there's a couple people around a monitor. I mean, ultimately, if there's if there's the, like the DP, for example, and he's working, uh, you, you know, with his guys on the camera, let's say there's multiple guys touching the camera at the same time. So I don't know if Tom Cruise just lost it uh, or if the rules are that stringent on that set. And he really thought they were going to be shut down. I, it's so interesting to see someone who constantly puts their 
life on the line, his life on the line in these movies and relies on crew and safety people on sets and, you know, all that to take that tone. Um, it, it definitely has not had the, the best uh, impact on the, the Mission Impossible 7 set as TMZ has, TMZ has reported that at least five crew members have quit the production. Really? Uh, and additionally, that he had another outburst, but we haven't gotten that leak yet. <sighs> So, Sean, what are your thoughts on this one? I always go back to thinking about Family Guy for some reason. I've, you and I have talked offline about the Family Guy Christian Bale out, outburst. Um, I think this is different because there's a reason for the outburst. But I also think about the way that Family Guy portrays Tom Cruise as like a little baby, um, like a little short dude with Stewie. And that's all I think about here. So I'm with you, Ace. I'd probably be laughing. Babe, stop. You can't. Sorry. <laughs> She, that's my girlfriend. She she wanted to see what's going on. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, um, so I mean, I would say uh, the one thing I truly miss is uh, yelling Tom Cruise. Um, I uh, truly miss the uh, you know the good old fashioned Colonel Jessup. Did you order the code red? Yelling Tom Cruise because there's an intensity there that's great. Um, I think that he also yelled with the uh, cadence of uh, Martin Sheen in Wall Street um, with his line delivery where he said. You could find a man whose worth is the size of his wallet. And there was a few that like really just, he, he was borrowing the notes. And I really do appreciate that. I thought that was lovely. Um, in terms of the actual seriousness of this, um, I, I I think about, is this the first uh, producer ever to yell at a crew? Um, this is it, 2020, this is it. I think this has happened before. Obviously it's making news because of COVID mm-hmm. and crews. And I get that. But, you know, people are saying like, oh, he's yelling at his crew and stuff like that. I think that, the, you know, I think that even the Christian Bale situation, when you're making a movie, it's it's intense, like it's horrifyingly intense, like and it's very stressful. And so let, let's add COVID to that. Let's add protections to that. Let's add to the possibility that this could get shut down tomorrow. Yeah, this guy goes for about seven minutes and, you know, that's maybe a little bit much. But, you know, the guy loves to make a little show. Um, I, I personally I, I get why he's like that and I understand why he's angry. Yeah, sure. Well, should we all be polite to each other all the time and hold hands in a circle? Well, not hold hands in a circle six feet apart. Um, but, you know, should we all like, you know, be in a circle six feet apart? Kumbaya? Absolutely. But sometimes we don't have time for that. So, you know, you got to just scream at the person and then maybe scream for far too long. And therefore, you still don't have time for that. Um, but I, I, I argue that these are tense times. And so I'm, you know, I, I side with Bale and I side with Cruz like, uh, because <laughs> those, those are the people I want in my corner, the crazies, like put them there. But, but truly, I think that he's he's doing the right thing. He might have went a little bit off his rocker, but I, I think that all in all, good call. I think what I'm most surprised about is we haven't seen him publicly address it. Um, you know, to come out and say like, yeah, this leaked, we shouldn't have leaked. Instead, apparently he was like really pissed off it leaked. And that's probably why he had the second outburst, but <laughs> it's a good cap to 2020. <laughs> yeah, it is. Really. Honestly, in, in today's media though, I don't even think he has to apologize because it'll just get blown over in a couple of days. Uh, when the next Warner bros decides to pull the rug out from under everybody or God knows what happened. Like, I don't, I literally don't know what's going to happen. We have uh, eight days left. A I don't know what's going to happen. City and stuff like that. Like, Greenland style. <laughs> I want to see that. Style. It's very good. $20 though to rent. I just having a hard time justifying that right now. Watch it with someone. You got the girlfriend ducking out of the way. Venmo. Venmo. Well, that, yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's move on and talk about the next story, which is uh, another reboot in the works. And this one is kind of interesting to me. Um, 
the Revenge of the Nerds movies are highly entertaining. They are a product of a time, of course. Um, and they're problematic now in terms of how they display certain things. But uh, Keith and Kenny Lucas of 22 Jump Street and some other projects, as well as Seth MacFarlane, uh, best known for Family Guy, the Ted series, the Orville. Uh, he, they're rebooting the 1980s hit comedy Revenge of the Nerds in what's being called a contemporary reimagining of the story. Uh, the Lucases are going to write and star in the film while McFarlane will produce. Sean, this immediately gives me uh, Neighbors vibes. That's what it has to be. I'm confused by this because, you know, not only is there the uh, part Revenge of the Nerds, I do love those movies, but they have not aged well for the, uh, you know, kind of horrific things some of the mm -hmm. characters do. But also, like, there's not really nerds anymore in this same sort of like classic sense. Like, I mean, I'm a nerd. Like, I think there's a lot of people that are nerds that are also, you know, functioning members of society. I don't know if this, like, there's not that division of uh, social hierarchy in the same way um, that there used to be. I mean, a bunch of like, you know, the cool bros went to see, went to go see Avengers. Um, and they also probably went to see Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that in that regard, this seems like it's a really, really tough tightrope to walk. And that's that's the part of it that, you know, seems very interesting to me. I mean, they still could do it, but it'll feel aged, in my opinion. I mean, especially because when you're talking about fraternities and sororities in a film, you're they're not as I don't know that they ever were well regarded, but you know, and that's coming from someone who's in a fraternity. But you're today, you have a lot more um, negativity and problematic behavior that is being showcased when it comes to sexual assault and some of the high, some of the deaths we've seen on campuses. Quite frankly, from hazing, I don't know. Um, I was a nerd in school, so I'm, you know, I'll watch it anyway. But Ace, were you a nerd in school? Well, I, I want to say first before I forget, being a nerd is cool now. So, Sean, That's, I feel yeah. what you're saying. It's cool to be a nerd now. So, yeah, there's probably not that same social hierarchy. That's why we're here. Um, <laughs> now, what, one of my friends had an intervention with me, though. My freshman year, I was wearing, like, Iron Man shirt to school. And he just said, <laughs> dude, I get it, you like Iron Man, but, uh, like, chicks don't dig that. Like, stop buying the Target prints. You need to go... <laughs> You go get some other stuff, and he was right. He was right. Ace um, pushes his like Pizza Planet shirt away. <laughs> but, uh, dude, what you're saying though, with uh, by the way, Revenge of the Nerds was shot at University of the Arizona Bear Down. That's where I went to school at. Um, and you're right; they do do some uh, pretty horrible things. I mean, I'm pretty sure the end scene or one of that where he, uh, where the main character hooks up with the jocks girl, right? And he's wearing the Darth Vader costume. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure now that would be considered like some form of sexual assault. I'm yeah. pretty sure that wouldn't be very funny in uh, today's day and age. It's going to be interesting to see how they do it. Because again, uh, every time I read this story or I read something about it, I get vibes of neighbors because that just kind of seems like a modern way to, to tell a story about a fraternity or sorority in today's time. Um, of course, it's not the nerd thing, but I guess it kind of could, you could see it in that. With the parent, the new parents, yeah. those are kind of. I guess those are nerds. Like they're like, sleeping all the time, and you know, <laughs> those are nerds, not having fun. <laughs> they're, they're nerds. I, my sister's a new parent. She's such a nerd right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, all right, so let's move on to another story here. This is one that we've been following for quite a while. Warner Media has concluded its investigation into Justice League following allegations made by cyborg actor Ray Fisher against Joss Whedon, Jeff Johns, and a, a number of other individuals on the set of the Justice League reshoots back in, I guess this happened in 2016 or 20, early 2017. Um, so Warner Media has now come out and concluded the investigation, stating that, quote unquote, remedial action has been taken. Um, Ray Fisher went on to say, uh, to comment online saying that the investigation is now complete. It has led to some remedial action that we've seen and some that is still to come. Um, and let me see what else. And Warner Media, I actually really like this. Warner Media reached out and said that they appreciate uh, Ray Fisher having the courage to come forward and assist the company with creating an inclusive and equitable work environment for its employees and partners. That's a nice cap to a really shitty way they started the investigation, to be quite honest. Um, but what are we seeing from this? Uh, number one, Joss Whedon has exited his series, The Nevers, on HBO. Uh, some footage of that was shared in an HBO Max uh, sizzle reel last week, I guess it was. Um, but he was developing that. That was his whole thing, and he stepped away from that. Additionally, uh, last week, we learned that his uh, his comedy, Pippa Smith, Grown-Up Detective, which was going to be on Freeform, um, he was producing that. That has been scrapped. So while these are not direct relations, we don't know for a fact that they are a direct result of the investigation. That's kind of what people are inferring here. Um Ace, are you familiar with any of what's been going on with this? Yeah, I, I am a little bit. And what you said makes me think, think, though, that maybe I'm missing something. So maybe you can fill in the gaps for me. Sure. Because my current understanding of this is that the entire situation is extremely vague. I, I read the original accusations. Uh, and it just said abusive set. He was abusive to cast members. Oh, okay, in what sense? What does that mean? And maybe I'm missing something. So fill me in. And then also, even when... Uh, Warner Bros, I mean, kind of wrapped it up recently. They basically just said, again, extremely vaguely, you know, remedial measures have been taken. What remedial measures to what problem? So part of me thinks, like, you got to take every accusation. It's a hard thing, right? Because you don't want to give full credence to every accusation because we're not just going to assume that every single accusation is true, right? Uh, But it would be helpful if they gave me some factual information so I could form my own opinion, unless I'm missing something. You tell me. Yeah. So all we really know about it is that a number there were a number of issues, quote unquote issues, uh, on the set of the reshoots with Joss Whedon leading them. Um, a lot of it came in uh, the form of it seems like some racial tension. Mm. And, um, from what I let me see if I can pull up the old report here. Um, so it was accusations of mistreatment and impropri- impropriety on the set of the film. Uh, Fisher later elaborated in an interview with Forbes, citing the removal of characters of color from the film and his own diminished screen time. Um, additionally, he alleged that notes given to him during reshoots by Whedon were comments influenced by racism and that Jeff Johns made veiled threats to his career. Um the other piece was that later on in post-production, they lightened up the skin of one of the actors of color. Mm. Uh, and, you know, what we've learned from or since then is that uh, 
I believe it was Gal Gadot in an interview this past week that said she was interviewed uh, for a lengthy period of time by Warner Brothers, that she had her own issues on set that were dealt with at the time, um, but she fully supports Ray Fisher. And then we know as well that uh, Jason Momoa, Aquaman, has come out and said the same thing, that he supports Ray Fisher and all of that. So I don't know that we'll ever really know exactly what happened. I agree with you. It would be nice to know how they're wrapping this investigation up and how that's going to, you know, impact the future of the studio rather than this, you know, we're committed to inclusivity and diversity and, uh, you know, we're going to do everything right. Um, I don't know. Uh, I assume down the road we'll hear more. But at this point, that's really all we know. I I want to say one thing really quick. And thanks for clearing that up for me. I just want to be crystal clear. Uh, that I'm all for racial equality, sexual equality, equality of all measures. I'm completely for it. Um, again, though, these things, what you're telling me are just kind of like broad, conclusory statements. Like there was racial prejudice. There was this. I'm like, okay, but how? Um, and if there was, in fact, racial prejudice going on on that set and, and mistreatment due to race and things of that nature, and a character was distinctly removed because of race and not some other reason then yeah, I completely agree. That's wrong. Uh, it needs to be dealt with. But again, based on what I've read and what you've told me, I've just heard conclusory statements. So yeah, I mean, it just got, I would like to hear some more facts, please. Yeah. Well, I, the one thing I will add there, just based on the removal of characters is, um, and Sean's heard this, we've talked about this for multiple weeks. Um, but there, the pushback from Whedon's camp is that the decisions to move some of these characters were done were made was made before Whedon was brought on. Um, but what we we know is that Joe Morton's character of Silas Stone, which was Cyborg's father, was drastically cut. Karen Bryson, who would play Cyborg's mother, was cut completely out of the film. Kiersey Clemens, who would play Iris West, love interest to the Flash, also a woman of color, cut from the film. Mm-hmm. Harry Lennox, uh, who was in the previous two films, um, General Swanwick, uh, previous two meaning Man of Steel and Batman versus sure. Superman. Uh, he was so pretty much every black actor from the cast was cut. In addition, yeah, that's not a good look. That's, in addition that's not to a good look. Zenkai, who is Ryan Choi, um, or the Atom as uh, one of the superheroes that was going to be included. So, you know, I as someone I do investigations on a regular basis for for work and. You know, what this strikes me as is something that right off the bat needed to be investigated. Mm-hmm. I think they they fumbled it early on and made kind of a public mockery of Ray Fisher, unfortunately, in some of the ways that they were kind of releasing statements saying that he wasn't cooperating and then Ray Fisher would be like, hey, I have receipts. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, you know, again, it seems like a number of them have had their own issues in there. I do want to hear more because the the worst part of, you know, being sort of a, what an, an armchair news quarterback here is that we are getting our news from a site who is right. getting their news from sources. Right. right. So I don't know, Sean, is this a good wrap up? Do you think, or are you still wanting to see like what these remedial measures are? Yeah. The fact that it just said remedial measures quite literally made me laugh out loud. I was just like, Oh cool. Remedial measures <laughs> like, without any sort of uh, take whatsoever on that. Um, but I will agree with you, Joe. I've really enjoyed that they um, said um, to Ray Fisher, we thank Ray Fisher for coming forward and we encourage people to do so. That, like, it, it was a very bland corporate statement. It really did, f- it had the view of that. But there is some power in that, where, you know, if this is something where it's like, hey, you don't see something that's right, maybe you're not experiencing a harassment, maybe you're not experiencing a prejudice, but you can come forward and your career won't be put in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that, like, 
still needs to be grown. I think Hollywood has like, you know, excelled quite a bit in diversity when it fits the publicity. But I think that this is something where it's like, Hey, if something is bugging you, if something is bothering you come forward to us. Um, I don't know. And uh, Ace, you were talking about like, I want to know more of the details. And uh, Joe had quite a few there. We're not going to know all of the details. Yeah, we never will. We will never Never. know them. You know, 90 years from now, some guy will write a book and that's about it. Like that's all we'll get. I I think you make a great point though, about yeah, people should be able to feel comfortable and express their concerns because we're, I mean, worst case they're wrong. And then, you know, we're all good. I mean, I mean, actually it's the opposite. Best case is they're wrong and we're all good. Worst case is, is, you know, there's something that actually needs to be addressed, but it does in fact need to be addressed. But look, that's the same stuff with the Me Too movement, right? Exactly. It's the same thing. It's the same exact thing. And the fact that Warner Brothers would fumble this so early on, given that it's the same type of, you know, I don't want to use the term whistleblower because it's not quite a whistleblower, but someone raising a serious complaint or serious concern and it being swept under the rug. It's like they've learned nothing or they're just treating sexual misconduct as its own pocket, which infuriates me. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but the book won't be coming out in a few years. Here's a plug for our friend, uh, our friend Sean O'Connell, who wrote the release, the Snyder Cut book, which is coming out in February. Um, and I've asked him a few times if he knows if he has like any insight into any more details in this. And he's, he has some apparently. Um, I don't know if it's going to be in the book or not, but I'm sure we'll be hearing more from him as he's allowed to say things as well. And that book will probably give a little bit more context as to what was going on behind the scenes. Um, I, I do think it was just a calamity of errors it was a clusterfuck in and of itself um so unfortunately it sounds like ray fisher took the brunt of a lot of it but i'm glad that it's moving forward mm-hmm. who would have thought justice league four years three years later almost four years later still in the conversation um <laughs> anyway um speaking of justice league uh we didn't mention ben affleck in that story but we're going to mention him in the next one because ben affleck has been brought on board and here's a call back to earlier in the show dan trachenberg of 10 cloverfield lane uh his next film which is houdini i can't believe there hasn't been a houdini film because when i was in elementary school and middle school and i had to do a project on like a historical figure every time I would choose Houdini. Um, so I'm very pumped about this. Uh, but Ben Affleck's playing Houdini, of course, the famed magician uh, in a biopic re- based on the novel, the secret life of Houdini. Uh, this film has kind of bounced through a lot of different developmental hoops since 2006, which is kind of crazy. Dan Trachtenberg has been attached since 2016. I believe this is at Disney. Um, so who knows if it's going to be Disney plus or, you know, a biopic mm-hmm. will go straight mm-hmm. to theaters because it's Oscar bait. And especially with someone like Ben Affleck, you know, first off, I want to know Ace Houdini, does that interest you at all? And then number two is Ben Affleck. Did you see The Way Back? And yes. You, and do you think the, Ben Affleck is going to be up for best? Option? I think The Way Back was my first review, actually, on Instagram oh, no. because I went to the theater and then the theaters got shut down. Yeah. I, I think that's what happened. Um, <laughs> Hell of a time to start being a critic. Ben Affleck as Houdini definitely interests me, and I was pumped for it. I saw who the director was. I was still pumped. But then then I saw it was Disney, and they're either – Disney, I either absolutely love what they do or I I really don't, and there's no in-between. So I'm just flipping the coin. I'm not going to get my hopes up too high. 
I'm wondering though if it is set up at 20th century. I was wondering the same thing. Uh, that that was my next question. Is it because if it's with a subsidiary, I'm down, and it's not going to be just straight Disney banner. Then it's probably fire. But if they make it, I doubt with the Cloverfield director, it's going right. to be under the Disney, you know, basic banner. I'm with Ben Affleck as well. I don't see that. Happening. Yeah, I don't. I don't see that either. Sean oh, yeah. Houdini. I mean, I always thought uh, Harry Houdini was a pretty cool character, um, pretty cool, uh, you know, historical figure. Um, I'm a little bit confused with the Affleck casting. Uh, first of all, saw way, the way back, and I mean, they're not doing the Oscar push. I hope they do the Oscar push. I want that Oscar push because I think he's really he, he's earned a nomination. Um, so his performance was stellar. But the casting for Affleck as Houdini, Houdini was kind of like a, you know, I'm looking at it, pretty kind of muscular, but a little bit smaller and a little bit more you know, flamboyantly theatrical, it felt like. And I don't know if Affleck is kind of that same type of character. I mean, Affleck could have range. Uh, like, I, this is the one thing, is when I heard the Affleck thing, I was like, oh, cool, Affleck's getting roles. I'm in, like, right on. Oh, Houdini, that sounds cool. But it didn't really, and, you know, you, you've done the reports in school, Joe. Um, I don't know, like, I <laughs> thought, like, you know... <laughs> I was wondering if if this is a good casting, but it just seems like from what I know about Houdini, it doesn't seem like those two things fit. Okay, let me offer some clarification here because I just did a nice little Google search, if you will, um, and found this information at SlashFilm.com. So the book itself, The Secret Life of Houdini, The Making of America's First Superhero is what it's called. The book, quote unquote, posits that Houdini was actually a secret agent who investigated the occult. And the pitch for the movie was that not only was the man a world class magician and escape artist, but also, quote, part Indiana Jones and part Sherlock Holmes. When last we heard the latest draft of the script was written by Noah Oppenheim, the Maze Runner Jackie. So, but I doubt that he's going to be attached only because he was caught up in the Harvey Weinstein scandal. The Hollywood Reporter says that Houdini, the Houdini movie will be a star vehicle for Affleck but we've heard that the actor won't be playing Houdini himself. Instead, Affleck will play a supporting character who is some kind of agent. Oh. Yeah, yeah that just changed the whole thing. That did what whole is thing. happening? That just changed wow. the whole thing. Whew. So I don't know. <laughs> that wasn't <laughs> I don't know at all now. <laughs> I like Ben Affleck as a secret agent. He, he did good in uh, Argo. Yeah, it seems true. like yes, like he'll he'll be like an Argo type. Well, he'll be like you know, like Houdini's the real agent there, and you know, Affleck's like the guy in the shadows being like, follow the money or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know, but you know, some kind of deal like that. Gonna make this reference only because I was watching it yesterday. But the original uh, Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, the creepy guy that's like the jawbreaker. Get the get the recipe for the jawbreaker. It's, it's, it's an everlasting gobstopper, John. <laughs> that one, whatever. <laughs> Creepy voice, creepy voice. Um, all right, guys, Slugworth. So, <laughs> so from Ben Affleck to Chris Pine. Uh, Chris Pine is attached to star in a new version of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, our friends at the Chumpcast will be happy to hear this because they hold Dungeons and Dragons game nights every Tuesday night on Twitch. Losing my voice. Um, Dungeons and Dragons will be set up at Paramount and will be directed by Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly uh, of Game Night fame. Uh, and they also wrote the script. It sounds like they are wanting to attract an ensemble cast and launch a franchise, as they all want to do, uh, for Paramount. Are you a Dungeons & Dragons guy, Sean? 
So um, I, I am not, although it does sound fun and I've listened to a lot of games be played because that seems like the big thing that everyone does on podcasts as well. Um, like they always say like, you know, Ooh, let's do this for the podcast and stuff. So the Chumpcast also does this, which is cool. Um, I know that from like listening to people do the games, it seems like it's a very complicated which way books type of style and like a very, very large open world that maybe isn't the best idea to make into a movie. But that might just be me. I mean, you know, Chris Pine leading a fantasy movie. That sounds dope. Like, I'll, I'll take him like, you know, he knows how to like, you know, deal with the craziness of some sort of fantasy world. But I, it, it, this seems like it's going to be overly complicated with a lot of different worlds and a lot of different games. And wh- how are they going to exactly nail this down? Kind of reminds me of like World of Warcraft. Um, when they Ooh, that's what I was thinking of too. And like, where are they gonna go? Ace, did you have a Dungeons and Dragons shirts uh, freshman uh, year? Or no, I I recently bought it though uh, to learn how to play with my girlfriend during quarantine. We haven't busted it out yet though. My concerns though are similar. I, mean, I know about it, and I've seen other people play, and I like lore and things like that. So yeah, my my concerns are similar to Sean. I just don't know. I don't know how you nail it down and how you make it into a movie. Do you make it more like a Jumanji type situation? Or are you going to go World of Warcraft? I mean, e- either way, I think what we ought to do is find out who owns World of Warcraft, World of Warcraft IP uh, in case there's a massive resurgence of the game. And we should all invest Blizzard uh, before this movie comes out. Bl- you mean Blizzard Dungeons and Dragons? Blizzard- well, oh, did I say World of Warcraft? My yeah, bad. Dungeons and Dragons. Mattel owns that. I sent, they sent a, uh, I sent them a cover letter recently, so <laughs> just send them a follow-up. <laughs> well, I hope they don't I hope they don't see this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this I goes out wide. Like this is <laughs> I don't know what this is gonna be a, be like. So number one, I am not the biggest fan of Chris Pine um for a variety of reasons. I just don't like his films that much, except for Star this uh Star Trek series. I thought he was perfectly cast uh in that. But um and that carries over to Wonder Woman 84. I was not a big fan of him in there. But um, <laughs> uh, I, I get kind of what you guys are saying. I don't know where they go with this story because I, I tune in every once in a while to the Trump cast uh, when they're doing theirs just to support and listen. And, you know, it is intriguing. I have no freaking idea what's happening, though. I have no idea whatsoever. It seems like there's a general guide. And Ace, you, you bought the stuff, so you might know better. But there's like a general guide of where the story goes. But I haven't it, even opened it yet. <laughs> but it's, it's been very, nine months of quarantine. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> it's very much like choose your own adventure-ish, it sounds like. Um, yeah, my understanding is they've got um, already kind of like built-in stories for the dungeon master to follow. But yeah. then you can also build your own story. Yeah, and dungeon master just sounds like kinky as hell. And I just I can't get into that for a game. It, it is a role-playing game. <laughs> dude how you don't like chris pine what about um why am i forgetting the name of the movie give me a sec hell or high water did you see that i never saw that yeah might, might change your that. mind about chris pine just think about it something to think about his voice annoys me uh, i know that's rude <laughs> no he has a texas accent in that though so it'll definitely be way better <laughs> um what what else has he been in though? I'm trying to look through. Oh, he was in um, This Means War, which was a shit movie. Outlaw King. Oh, I liked Outlaw King. Outlaw King oh, was yeah. interesting. I liked that movie. Yeah. Outlaw King was cool. He was in Into the Woods. 
He, he, he got Jesus. my respect during Hell or High Water. Hell or High Water is the one where I went, oh, shit, that guy can act. That is actually a great movie. Legitimately yeah. act. Yeah, yeah, that's a great movie. I'll check that out. I'll definitely check Oh, Smoking Aces. I forgot about that movie. Oh my God. Didn't, we all, didn't <laughs> we all forget about that movie? Oh, man. Well, who knows? I'm not going to say anything more about Chris Pine because a lot of it's coming out of um, his storyline in... Wonder Woman 84, a lot of my hatred or anger and frustration and confusion. Um, so we'll talk about that uh, after it releases. We'll talk about that next week. That'll be my movie next week, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait. <laughs> uh, it'll be our end of year thing. And I'll be like, wait, for one minute, we got to talk about. Um, all right. So <laughs> speaking of end of years, and uh, I was going to make some joke that doesn't link up, but waiting till the last minute, congressional spending package. Uh, we just had one passed last night, $2.3 trillion coronavirus relief package and spending bill. So that's combined. The uh, The coronavirus relief package is $900 billion, not trillion. Um, it was passed on Monday evening, and there is uh, much-needed help for movie theaters included. Of the funds, $15 billion is dedicated to movie theaters and live performance venues. Uh, according to the National Association of Theater Owners President uh, John Fithian, the funds will greatly benefit most small and mid-sized movie theaters, including their employees who otherwise may have closed. Uh, but, of course, this does not... Uh, impact the larger chains, the organization's going to continue to lobby for funds to support larger chains. Um, Ace, is this too little too late for them, or is this welcome news? It is welcome news. I just don't know. I mean, ultimately, how much is the relief really going to help? You know, like a small theater, I, I don't know where they're operating out of. Um, I mean, I just don't know. I mean, the bottom line is I don't know. What's really going to help is when they say, all right, We've got enough vaccines out. Uh, people are cool with going half capacity or people at least feel comfortable going back to half capacity or even full capacity. Until then, it's it's not going to happen. And then you've got all these other things working against the theaters right now, uh, like Warner Brothers for the entire 2021. Um, and who knows who else is going to jump off board with that that kind of behavior. So I just don't know. Sean, how about you? What are your thoughts on this? I think that... Um... When it comes to the uh, Warner Brothers situation, just to backtrack from that, um, I don't know if many other studios are going to be jumping on the same bandwagon. I think they realized that there was a bit of a public pushback. I think they said, like, wow, they did the whole year. That's kind of insane. Like, you know, the fact mm -hmm. that I don't know, like, it's going to be really interesting what happens with Dune because, you know, knock on every single piece of wood you have in your house. But probably by the time Dune comes out, theaters are going to be safe. And therefore, most people are probably still going to see Dune in theaters. Um, and, you know, there'll be the lighter, like, you know, romantic comedies or whatever that people would rather just see on HBO Max because there's no reason to see that right. in theaters. Right. Um, and so that stuff will be interesting. My main issue is uh, my uh, the mom and pop theater near me already closed because this pandemic has been going on for nine fucking months, and that's gonna be like you know like are you freaking oh no cool yeah give them give them uh, six hundred bucks I, I know it's more but I don't give a shit like it was like I I, I, I th this frustrates me that you know it's like hey the theaters will be saved and then like I I walk by two broken down theaters like you know just that were just recently closed and I'm like fantastic guys you really came in and the you know in the clutch it's like the uh the titanic lifeboats coming by for all the frozen <laughs> corpses bobbing mm -hmm. it's like oh mm -hmm. yeah cool um mm -hmm. I, I mean i 
Oh, go, go, go. The other piece of this is that it's $15 billion and that includes live venues. So you're talking about like live concert spaces and other pieces like that. Sports arenas. Yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, that's the other piece. I wonder how that, yeah, I wonder how that impacts uh, sports arenas and the companies that are, you know, behind them. I mean, this whole thing, I mean, not to get too political, but it seems like I just want to know how they're distributing uh, the the benefits of the stimulus package per se. Cause for example, like you look at me, I'm in LA dude, the cost of living here is really high and that's my own fault for wanting to live here. But explain to me how I get $600 and then somebody who's doing really well. And I, I don't know, like the middle of the woods. Um, I don't know, wherever it doesn't matter. Not that there's anything wrong with being in the middle of the woods, but the cost of living probably isn't as high. And if you already got cheese, explain to me why we're getting the same 600 you see what i'm saying it's even it's even worse with something like me where you know i'm a uh, teacher that gets paid i'm doing well i'm fine nothing really has changed for me except for my uh like general mental health which was shit to begin with and i you know i'm getting 600 dollars um and it's just like well wait do i mean i'm gonna use i'm gonna I, I do need it don't get me wrong but like it's one of those things where uh, like I, I'm not someone who's in trouble as much as someone else. And so I don't think, you know, uh, Robert Kraft at uh, Gillette stadium uh, right. needs the money as much as like, you know, Mon Paz, uh, you know, uh, you know, please watch our movies. Like, kind of. Maybe it's more about just getting people to spend money and kind of get the economy going. I'm just spitballing. I don't know what I'm talking that could about. Be it. Yeah. But maybe because <laughs> Everybody's going to go. Like I saw somebody make a good point today on a, uh, in a meme. It's like, okay, 600 bucks. Isn't enough to, change kind of the balance of your life and economic wealth, but it is enough to make your life a little less shitty and go buy that new Xbox or PlayStation or that new thing that you really want and kind of maybe get, you know, I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, but not for the people that are already behind on rent and, you correct. know, put it towards yeah, that. Correct. But correct. the good news, the good news, this is unrelated to movie theaters, but the good news is that it is no longer a crime to misuse certain emblems such as, uh, Smokey the Bear and Woodsy Owl character. So you can impersonate them as much as you want. That is in the bill that is no longer illegal. Um, so we're, um, we're in good shape. That helps okay. us all. Sean? <laughs> okay, no, there's no words. Like, I, I, I've i lost the ability to have vowels. So just let's go. I, oh. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of random stuff in there. Um all right. Well, you know, uh, when it comes to the theaters, there is a lot of uh, help that's needed. I think one of the pieces that uh, we're missing out on as well, though, is that it's the employees of the theaters and um, they definitely need help. Mm-hmm. The theater owners themselves probably need a different level of help. So I don't know that we can just bundle this all in. I want to know, kind of like you said, Ace, how it's going to be distributed, where it's going to go um, and who is going to be responsible for, uh, you know, divvying it up and deciding mm-hmm. this mom pop theater in rural kansas gets this while this mom pa theater or i guess a small theater that's in like central uh philadelphia get center city philadelphia I should say mm-hmm. Man, philadelphians would freak out at me for that um <laughs> center city philadelphia uh you know how much does that get it's it's just there's no rhyme or reason unfortunately and that's i think what drives me a little nuts oh man and then the stocks dark. are tanking the stocks are tanking my amc stock oh yes up and down Oh. Well, you were saying earlier, you bought it, what, last year before COVID, which is probably the worst time ever to buy it. Yeah, thanks, Ace. <laughs> but um, no, I've been keeping my eye on it. I, last I checked was AMC's trading it about three bucks. 
I think I'm going to give it another month or so and put in my, my thing is, uh, cause I'm just getting into the market. I'm learning more about it and I have somebody else deal with my real money, but you know, my little extra, I got myself a fidelity account. And if I like something, $500, $500 for that thing. So I'm thinking of $500 of AMC in the next two months. Well, that's, that's a good purchase. <laughs> Given that the, uh, you know, cause you'll buy it low and there's somewhat of a boom potential. You know, if you see it's going up, you can always buy more. It and is then same with things like Disney. AMC. AMC's at two dollars and sixty cents. Oh, I thought you said two hundred. I thought you meant two hundred. No, where have you been? <laughs> no, I, I. That's what I'm saying. I thought it skyrocketed somehow, and I didn't know. It scared me. Disney is currently at one seventy, and Apple is currently at one thirty. That's lower than I expected for Apple, actually. Um, Apple has been crushing it for me. I bought Apple last year and they, uh, they did something with their stock. So it doubled and then AMC, I bought them or excuse me, Disney right before they released Disney plus I knew it was going to go up, but it was a mistake. And they've gone up a lot recently as these uh, vaccines have come out. Cause a ton of their business, you know, is from theme parks and resorts. Yep. Yep. Um, what was I going to say about them? Oh, missed opportunity though. Next year on Disney investor day. We have to show up. We got to show up, and everybody's putting in five thousand at least. <laughs> if you have it, we're putting it. Dude, it went up thirty percent. I definitely it just have five thousand laying after. around here. So I'm happy to throw that in. Hey, maybe you do. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> You're talking about going to Sundance and these sorts of things. Maybe I don't. I don't know what you do. <laughs> I don't know what I do either. That's the thing. Um, you know, I, the crazy thing with Apple is they're definitely riding the high of all the great content they have on Apple TV+. Plus. <laughs> I can't even get that joke out. Um, so it will be interesting to see how... Um, I think Apple's taking a hit, too, with the way in... Well, I can't say that. All right, we're turning... We're not a stock... stock well, hold on. <laughs> but, but about Apple, here, I'll get you to Apple movies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Isn't most of their stuff, though... I know they've picked some kind of niche types of movies. Hasn't most of it been pretty quality? To this point, I haven't watched that much of it either. So you tell me. It's really good stuff. Um, they have an animated movie, Wolf Walkers. Um, they have uh, Ted Lasso, which is kind of like this like cult favorite, like you know, uh, mm-hmm. really nice comedy, uh, quaint comedy. Um, then, then that's it. <laughs> I, I know. Well, I, I mean, because you mentioned Ted Lasso, I know this is a movie podcast, but uh, C with Jason Momoa is actually pretty sick. Also, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I try, I started, it's dope. It's I dope. always forget about Apple TV Plus. I know that's terrible, but me I too. I forget about. Did you? Did you guys see Greyhound? Yeah, I did see Greyhound. Yeah, was it good? Y- yes. Okay. <laughs> you guys want to hear a Tom Cruise story? Or Tom? Yes. Uh, yeah, Tom Hanks. I mean, Tom Hanks. Go for it. So last summer, I was at a restaurant in LA at the beach, and I was with my stepmom, and she was sitting across from me, and Tom Hanks sat behind her and was facing me and it was the most distracting meal I've ever been to my entire, in my entire life. He had a big beard and everything. He looked like oh, Forrest yeah. Gump. I, I can't do this right now. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do this. We need to leave. <laughs> he was looking right at me. Like he was in like, I, he, I couldn't not look oh at my him. God, he, he made like in my plane of view. So this is a misconnections with Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks, if you are out there listening, um, Ace would like to speak with you about I would your future. To speak with Tom Hanks. <laughs> he wants to know all about Geppetto uh, <laughs> and what's going on. Hey, in what's a pedo? What? Geppetto. No, Geppetto. Oh man, uh, we need to make Gepetto sure that is Peter Pan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is getting a weird. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we 
We only, the last two syllables were enunciated. You took, you, you took those that you took that list pretty serious, huh? <laughs> you know the Epstein list? Oh yeah, he's on it. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. Okay, well this... I'm making things up. I don't know. Well, that's probably not something we want to make up. Um, <laughs> I have to do this every week with a guest. We do not condone, condone the views of Ace on this podcast. <laughs> he is here as a guest, and he does not uh, align with all the views of the Guide to Movies podcast with Joe and Sean. Um, anyway, so let's talk about movies on the move. Um, I wrote movies on the movie on the uh, outline, so you can tell I was writing this at night. Um, but Dev Patel's The Green Knight, which, Sean, I know we've been talking about it a while or for a while, it is now hitting theaters July 20th, so they're committed to a theatrical release. Zack Snyder has said that his cut of Justice League will drop on HBO in March. Uh, he also said that it could get an R rating because apparently Batman says fuck at some point, but I think you're allowed three fucks before it gets an R. Um, mm -hmm. And they're also pushing to release it in theaters probably, you know, the four hour or whatever that I will probably go see. Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley's Chaos Walking, uh, which seems like it's a chaotic movie in and of itself, uh, has been delayed multiple times and is now uh, set to hit theaters March 5th. Tom and Jerry, which, cool, uh, is heading to HBO Max and theaters on February 26, 2021. And the Mortal Kombat reboot heads to HBO Max and theaters on April 16th, 2021. Out of those movies, any of those that you're really interested to see, whoever uh zach snyder justice league obviously and mortal kombat just because it's mortal kombat the rest though hate to say it um because i i really love dev patel and slumdog millionaire in line but that green knight trailer looked like absolute trash what and yeah i said it i said it damn i said it Wow. And also, um, hopefully I'm wrong. Hey, I don't want to be right when I make these <laughs> predictions. Okay, But uh, we'll see. And then Tom Holland, Daisy Ridley, with a movie with that many reshoots, it's very rare that they, they get it right eventually. They might salvage it. But to nail it, unlikely. For me, the, new th the, the very new interesting thing has been uh, that, you know, putting a movie in theaters is sort of its dumping ground during this, uh, you know, COVID time where, you know, most of the movies you'll see in theaters with the exception of ones that will eventually be released on VOD. But there's a lot there that, you know, I was like, all right, let's just put this in theaters and then like, you know, the, like not worry about it. Um, and so I look at the chaos walking and the green Knight, and I think about chaos walking is coming in in March. I'm hoping by then, you know, shots are going to be in the arms. Maybe we'll be going to theaters. And so maybe they're planning to say, hey, let's get everybody to go see Chaos Walking. Um, I doesn't seem likely for March. Um, however, the Green Knight in June, that seems like one where they're, you know, hoping there'll be a decent amount of crowds in theaters. Now, crowds in theaters to see an A24 Dev Patel movie about, you know, the legend of the Knights. It's not exactly going to like crowd the theaters, but it will like hopefully have a pretty good theater standing. And I think that's why they've dropped it in July. You know, this is always the, or June, excuse me. This is always the, um, you know, right now, this is this game of chicken that we're playing with a pandemic and the fear of a pandemic of like, when do we actually just start to release theaters, uh, excuse me, release movies into theaters. And so I wonder where that will go here. Yeah, it's, I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I, I think going back on the to the Warner Brothers decision that we're going to see a reversal of some of the films. I think that you know I said this last week or the week before when we were talking about it. Uh, their decision to make the announcement that all next year's titles 
uh, going to HBO Max and theaters, I think was really dumb. They should have at least said like through mm-hmm. March and then a case by case basis or, you know, through June or something like that. Uh, and then move their schedule around appropriately because the, the news was out there that we were expecting a, uh, vaccine on the horizon. And if all goes well, hopefully things are getting back to somewhat normal, uh, you know, come March, April, May, uh, I just think that they lost a lot of bargaining power when it comes to uh, any decisions that need to be made in the future with theaters regarding release windows or anything like that. So the fact that they are um, that the Green Knight is one of those films that is still committed to theaters, I think, like you said, is really uh, big for that studio to uh, to push it for the summer release. They're probably expecting big things from it. but I don't know how Warner Brothers does that with any of their films, even if they decide to just put like it Dune, right? I think the damage has already been done. Sure, there's news out there today that's saying that Dune might be, um, I guess the director is like really pissed off and uh, they're debating uh, reversing course for Dune because they want to wow. make sure that it has the ability to build additional, um, so, to spawn sequels and stuff like that in the future. Uh, but, you know, once that dam breaks and you have one director that uh, gets his way, what happens with all the other films? Mm-hmm. I just don't That's going to be chaotic if they do it. I, I want them to do it, but that will just be chaotic the other way. Like, the, uh, oh, God. And everybody Ugh. always compares it to the Snyder Cut and Zack Snyder getting his way. But that's a very different set of circumstances mm-hmm. all around that. Um, so, listen, some late breaking news here. Uh regarding awards with Sean, I know that you're a big awards guy and we're going to be talking about this more um, after the start of the new year. Uh, but the golden Groves has just uh, golden Globes rather golden Globes rather is what I was just about to say. I'm glad we go. <laughs> has made some shifts. They moved promising young woman from comedy to drama. Um, Maria Bakalova, who was the, uh, the daughter in uh, Borat two is now up for lead. Uh, Best actress or lead actress, whatever the role is, whatever it is there. Um, the same is happening with Helena Zengel's role in News of the World, which I haven't seen yet, but I'm hearing amazing things. Lead, okay. And Disney Plus's Hamilton has oh. been submitted and accepted in the comedy or musical category. Oh. I don't know about that. I don't know about that one either. I don't know about that. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's <laughs> not even a, it's not even a movie. <laughs> like it's it's a filming of a live uh, that yeah, yeah I mean, that, that's too far. Uh, well, it, it's this is the Globes also, so the Globes are kind of dumb. Yeah, you're right. You're right. The Globes go two different ways with it. The Globes used to be this like you know big predictor of the Oscars, and it was like if you won a Globe, like you won an Oscar. That 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 was the way this went, and all of a sudden in the past like. Boy, three or four years. I don't know what's happened to the globe or the globes got safer or the Oscars got riskier. Something weird happened where all of a sudden the Golden Globes stopped being the very like, and now it's really almost like really tough to predict the Oscars um, as much as it used to be because you know people just said, oh, what what won the globe, and then you know did someone else get more popular since then, and that's all that that's how it goes. And like, but now it's just like kind of the globes are just this different thing, which is kind of fun. It's now this chaos. <laughs> like, like the fact that Hamilton might be best musical comedy is so freaking ridiculous. And that, that's how I look at it though. I look at it as the globes aren't going to set a precedent for anything. <laughs> that's, it just further muddies the award season though. This is already going to be a wild award season. And now with the category switches, 
I don't well, know. you already just saw, um, like the, already the all the like uh, I believe the uh, L.A. Uh, critics and the New York uh, film critics uh, both like announced their winners, and it's all like you know like first cow and uh, never rarely sometimes always movies I'd love to win. I want those movies to win, but there's no chance in hell those are reaching the Oscars. And it just shows like you know the critics being stuffy people like myself. I'm <laughs> I'm there because I love those movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a weird like it's, it's gonna be the weirdest award season of all time and i'm i'm here for it well speaking of awards future uh, golden globe award nominee and winner fantastic four directed by john watts uh coming out of marvel of course we got news uh during the investor day confirmation really that uh, Fantastic Four is in early development with the man who likes to uh, take the third hit or third shot at these franchises, John Watts. Um, he's really good at reviving franchises for the third time. <laughs> the third time. Uh, <laughs> it's what he does, right? Um, but we thought it would be fun to do a little bit of fan casting here. Uh, and we're focusing on the main four uh, roles, which would be uh, Mr. Fantastic, Reed Richards, Sue Storm, who's the Invisible Woman, uh, we have uh, Johnny Storm, uh, the Human Torch, and Ben Grimm, or The Thing. Uh, if you want to throw in Dr. Doom, if you have any thoughts about that, feel free to do that as well. Um, but we are not allowing John Krasinski and Emily Blunt to be included because they are dominating fan casting everywhere. Um, and I think that's enough of a reason that Disney's going to be like, no. <laughs> so, Sean, let's start with you. Give me your casting. Oh, I need to first make sure it is said that I don't know much about comic book characters. I appreciate them. Um, I didn't realize some of these comic book characters are in relationships. And so there's going to be an age discrepancy that's going to be a little bit difficult to uh, manage. Like in um, I don't think it's illegal, just immoral. <laughs> oh, um, so I'm going to start off with the thing. Um, I went with uh, uh, Dave Batista. Um, I just think... It's a it, unfortunately, it's an incredibly obvious, not, not fun one there. Um, but I, I just had to go with Dave Batista with that one. Uh, they don't need to put any makeup. Um, then you have um, <laughs> uh, he's made of rocks. Uh, <laughs> then you have uh, for uh, the Human Torch, um, I have uh, Nicholas Holt. Um, I think he has like sort of a cocky level to him. Um, he's got the good looking charm to him. Basically, I'm basing his performance off of how he was in uh, The Great, the Hulu series, where he played a uh, Russian oligarch. No, no, Russian leader, Russian, Russian king. King, king? Yeah, king. Um, <laughs> and I do not know how it goes over there. But um, like, and so he was just very, uh, you know, cocky, uh, like very, but very like, you know, charming and very silly. Um, all right, so here we go. These are going to be the tough ones. Um, so for uh, Sue Storm, uh, I went with uh, Anya Taylor Joy. Um, I love the idea. Like, you know, it's just someone who is beautiful, who you know has looks smart because she played chess, and I believe that she was the uh, you know smartest chess player in the world. Um, and I just thought that like that would be a, a good pick for that. Okay, here we go. Um, and so uh, we couldn't do John Krasinski, so I went with someone that has that same sort of uh, attractive nature, but also sort of nerdy, and we've already talked about him on the pod today, and that is uh, Jason Sudeikis um, for Mr. Fantastic, who is – I. Yeah, and I think he could play young, and Anya Taylor-Joy could play old, and I think maybe I'm still an okay person, but um, – you know that those are the two that I looked at with that. That was the toughest one I had, without a doubt, was Mister Fantastic or Mister Fantastic. Yeah, I could see someone like Jason Sudeikis in there only because Marvel does like to throw the comedy element in every once in a while. Mm -hmm. So that could that could happen. I don't know. Ace, what are your thoughts? 
I just want to say quickly, Sean, I don't think uh, Nicholas Holt is handsome enough for Human Torch. Good, good looking guy. Good looking guy, but not handsome enough. For I think looking. I can agree with you there. Yeah. No, I think I for the Human Torch, you go with Zach Efron. Ooh, that, 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 that's the dude who, I mean, he's good at playing that character. He's done it in many movies. Just give it to him. Let him take his shirt off. It'll be a thing. <laughs> give him a franchise. Give him a spinoff. We'll all go see it. Okay, for the thing, um, I like Terry Crews just because he's yoked. Yes. T- Terry Crews is yoked, yes. and if you want to talk about the uh, comedic element, give it to Terry Crews. And I know that the thing from my—I'm not like a huge Fantastic Four fan, uh, but my understanding is the thing is more kind of um, like blunt, like you know Batista mm-hmm. and um, you know Guardians of the Galaxy, kind of more like that character. But I think Terry Crews can make that a, a funny character. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm—I don't know what I'm talking about really with the thing <laughs> for Mister Fantastic. I went with an older guy, still a handsome guy. Uh, he's not that old. Kyle Chandler. Oh. I like Kyle Chandler for that. He's kind of like, like the leader of the team. He's he's smart. He's still kind of han- – he's handsome enough, though. That's an he's interesting old enough to be married. And then for the inv- the Invisible Woman, Connie I'm, not re- I'm, not, oh. <laughs> I'm not really sure. So I'm going with Elizabeth Moss from The Invisible Man. <laughs> It works. Go, go with it. She, needs, with a, it. she needs a franchise. She, she needs a franchise out. movie. She has one, but she needs what? Within what? With Handmaid's Tale? Yeah, Handmaid's Tale. They're doing more, but she's doing other Blumhouse films too. She's like their new darling. Well, they're doing. Oh, and they're gonna do. I think like they want to do something with you know her being the Invisible Woman in at, at the end of the Invisible Man, and then that's gonna I don't be know a universal about that. thing. That seems a little. That seems like a stretch. I was, I, 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 <laughs> I was joking. I was joking when I said this, and they obviously. I like it still. I think it's going to be fun. Speak it into existence, Ace. All right, here are my thoughts. Um, I have for Johnny Storm to Cray Montgomery. Uh, he is in the Stranger Things uh, season. Oh, yes. Three and four. He was the Red Power Ranger. Yes. Um, I just think Very he would be good. solid for that. He's got that like bad boy. Ab, like aspect yeah. to him, but he's also really charming in Broken Hearts Gallery. Um, so he's, I think he has the range and he could play that. And he also, he's a good looking dude and he'll be able to pull that off. Um, Mr. Fantastic, I have Dan Stevens from Legion and um, uh, he was the beast in <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. He's been in a few other things. He was in Call of the Wild, he was the rich guy. Um, oh, he was the rich guy. <laughs> yeah. I just think, I just watched that the other night and I'm like, oh yeah, that's Dan Stevens. <laughs> Um, so I think that would be interesting for Sue storm. I have Logan Browning who is from dear white people, um, African-American actress, but I think she is up and coming and would be awesome in this role. Um, I think it would also bring a diversity aspect to the storytelling in, you know, of course, Marvel was very, very white for forever, except for specific characters that were meant not to be. But I think in looking at a family that would exist today or could exist today, that would be a really interesting twist on that uh, they tried that in the last one um with michael b jordan and i'm forgetting who played oh kate mara um who oh, yes. um this is my weird one for the for grim i saw this on a website somewhere and i actually am like all about it any of you watch new girl did you ever watch new girl mm-hmm. no jack johnson on new girl has grim jake johnson jake johnson um <laughs> jack I think, johnson would be interesting <laughs> he's the singer isn't he um yeah <laughs> Jake Johnson. He's he's a goofy guy, but I think about like the one part of Grimm 
that always Ben Grimm that always got me like uh, it, it was always strange to me is he always was like that older man he was like that older like gruffier <laughs> yeah. dude um, of course because he's friends with uh, with Mister Fantastic and all that and he's older but I just think that like bringing it back to I don't know like a, a younger age would be really interesting and putting that type of spin on it would be something fascinating Doctor Doom I saw a lot of good casting for I'll just throw this out there um, Javier Bardem was one of them that I, I saw. <sighs> Um, Giancarlo Esposito was another one. Um, Sam Witwer would be mine. Um, I liked Sam Witwer a lot. He was in, uh, oh geez, I forget the name of the show. He was Doomsday in Smallville. He was Darth, Ma the voice of Darth Maul in Clone Wars. He was Darth. Oh man! In the last uh, or in uh, the solo uh, after credit scene. Um, he's just. I just think he has that like that look about him. So. I don't know. I, I think that's going to be the next really interesting casting for Marvel, right? Because that is four individuals that make up the quote-unquote first family mm -hmm. of Marvel, and they need to get that right or people are going to rage. Would you be happy yeah. with John Krasinski and Emily Blunt? No. <laughs> Why is that? They're too famous. They're too... like like they uh, They have enough of their own stuff going on. They don't need... I don't know. I just don't like it. I don't like it. I don't need a reason. I just don't like it. <laughs> I, I I wonder this now because this is very interesting when you say they're too famous. And uh, no, I know because I said Zach Efron for you. No, 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 no. I'm not even, I'm not like even fighting you on that. Not, I promise you, I'm not fighting you on that. I'm saying like, what would the crowd reaction be if they go with four unknowns? And I feel like I would they, be totally cool with that if it if they get it right. But the crowd reaction, not just us three. Us three would probably be cool with it. But like, you know, I, I wonder what yeah. would like that like, you know, public perception be. Like, Dude, they'll go see it. If it's they stamp <laughs> Marvel on it, uh, people will go see it. Fact. <laughs> and now you're gonna get it year round through Disney Plus. I wonder if that's gonna hurt Marvel though, more than it's gonna because because then the continuity of it all, it's almost gonna be taken away because do you really expect everybody to keep up? with the Marvel universe year round, I can do it movie wise year round, but with the shows and all that, I don't think so. I mean, I'm still going to, I just, it, as long as they are short series and not like DC was doing with their DC shows that are all in mm -hmm. time because they were like 23 episode or 24 episode seasons. And you had four or five different shows that would cross over and you needed to know what was going on. And that's a commitment. But a series like Falcon and Winter Soldier that's going to have six episodes. Mm. Uh, and I think WandaVision, I think, is eight, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with that. I can handle that. <laughs> and there's and it's going to be like, you know, slowly boiling the frog to death as opposed to jump like dropping the frog into the boiling water. You know, it's going to be like a little bit of a stretch of a show at this time. And then, you know, maybe a week off and then a little bit of a stretch of a show this time. Then you realize you watched everything that's ever existed that's Marvel. And I think, it'll, it, you know, it's not going to be like eight shows are releasing this weekend because, yeah, then people will be like, no, forget this. And I, I think that's what happened with DC. It's like I don't I didn't know what to watch for. D like I was like, there's like 18 shows. They all have 12 seasons. Like, what do you want mm -hmm. me to do here? Mm -hmm. It gets crazy. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's funny, too, thinking about like the the Marvel films that are coming up or the Marvel series that are coming up. I originally thought they were all they would all be like hour long dramas or hour long series, but Kevin Feige today said uh, that uh, She Hulk is going to be a thirty minute legal uh, comedy. And so <laughs> cool with that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Good Wife She Hulk. Um, it's going to be 
it's going to be really interesting to see how they go around, uh, go about that, but I'm okay with it. I also kind of fell in love with the way that the Mandalorian was where they would deliver an episode that may be like 45 minutes. And then the following week, it may be 28 minutes. You know, it's just about the story and the strength of the story. I'm all for that. I, I was furious when they hit me with that 25 minute episode. <laughs> I was pissed. <laughs> like I paid for this. This is bullshit. <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's Get Walt Disney on the line. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so wrapping up here, let's talk about what's coming out this week. Uh, we have No Man's Land starring Frank Grillo uh, and George Lopez and Jake Allen, which is hitting VOD and digital. Uh, the Midnight Sky starring George Clooney and Felicity Jones is hitting Netflix tomorrow, today, if you're listening to the podcast on your favorite podcast streamer. News of the World with Tom Hanks is hitting theaters on Christmas. Promising Young Woman hits theaters on Christmas. Wonder Woman 1984 hits HBO Max and theaters on Christmas. Soul hits Disney Plus on Christmas. Uh, and Sylvie's Love, which I haven't talked about in a while, but Sylvie's Love hits Amazon Prime on Christmas. And that is honestly up there for one of my favorite movies of the year. So definitely check that out. Um, I am literally going to open gifts with my family and be like, I've got stuff to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> see you later. Same. Uh, Same. <laughs> you know, that's how it goes. Uh, but hey, Ace, very happy to have you here. We've been trying to get you on for a little bit, and uh, you know, schedules get a little crazy because we all have lives. But uh, tell people where they can find you. Oh yeah, thanks for having me again. I was pumped. It was fun. Um, I was totally joking about the Tom Hanks thing, by the way, <laughs> just for everybody who's listening. What the Tom um, Hanks story about the? No, no, no. That was real. Whether he's on Epstein's list or not, I don't know. I heard a rumor he was. I don't know. But they, again, you guys don't represent my views. I heard Once again, we do not represent Ace's views. Yeah, see, there it is again. There it is. Uh, but if, no, if, you, if you're interested in my stuff, you can find me on Movie Reviews with Big Ace on Instagram. Uh, I, I, I have it on private right now because my mom says I'm not going to get a job um, if I keep it public. But I, I might change my mind. And... Uh, also, there's going to be a podcast coming soon. Not like this. It's just where we have people on. Both of you guys are invited. I'm having this dude on, uh, Yuri Rutman. I don't know if you saw my review. He did a short film about um, a woman who can only become sexually aroused near uh, trains. And he starred himself in it. And uh, it was interesting, to say the least. He's coming on the podcast tomorrow. So if you're... That's the kind... It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool though. And you're also a uh, hit or miss with TikTok, right? <laughs> yeah, hit or miss. TikTok, I mean, TikTok, dude, I had to delete it because it was too distracting. That's I funny. couldn't get things done. Uh, but yeah, TikTok, same thing. Movie reviews with Big Ace. I got some fire on there. There's some, there's some good ones. Sometimes I like, I'll start checking out TikToks and like an hour and a half goes by and I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> I know. It's the worst. It's absolutely crazy. And China Someone... stealing your information. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Did you say Canada or China? China. 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 Canada. I was like, oh shit. Tom Hanks. Um, Tom Hanks. <laughs> Canada. Got it. Um, Sean, where can people find you? People can find me on Instagram at Math Teacher Movies. I do movie reviews from the past and the present. I do television shows from the past and the present. I do uh, Monologue Monday, What the Oscars Got Wrong Wednesday, and Final Shot Friday. There you go. Nice. Tight. Rough pause in there. Rough pause in there. I'm telling you, I got it soon. I got it soon. <laughs> and you can find me at GuideToMovies.com for daily movie news and reviews, as well as Guide to Movies on Instagram, Guide to Movies 1 on Twitter. I do dabble with TikTok every once in a while, but I haven't found my rhythm there. Uh, so maybe that will happen in the future. 
for everyone to know, this episode is coming out on Wednesday, December 23rd. Enjoy it. We'll also have a special bonus for you on Friday, Christmas morning. Sean and I will be releasing a mailbag episode with questions that we received from all of you fine people. Uh, and you can listen to us anywhere that you get your podcast, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, all of that fun stuff, Spotify. Uh, and Sean, what would you like to tell the people? Wear your damn mask! <laughs> Did you order the code red? Wear your damn mask! <laughs> if you don't, you're going to be fucking gone. <laughs> I want to see uh, you again! Please wear your damn mask. And happy holidays, everyone. We really enjoyed... Uh, you know, the past, what, 26 episodes, Sean? That's kind of wild already. Or 27 episodes. It's kind of wild. Yeah. Um, so with the holidays coming up, we will be back next Tuesday, though, with an episode sort of wrapping up the year uh, and getting into some awards talk and talking about kind of our favorites of the year and stuff. And I'm sure there'll be movie news. So we'll have a little fun. It'll be a little relaxed. Sean, maybe we'll have some beers during that one. Let's let's, let's see. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. We'll see where that goes. Ace, once again, thank you for being here. We'll talk to you soon. I want to say something real quick. I, rec I record my movie reviews. It's me talking. That's how it's different. So if you're interested in me talking, that's that's where that's where it is. <laughs> Wait, and where are they recorded at? Uh, just on my phone. No, movie no. Are, you like, are they on your? Is that on Instagram? Oh yeah, yeah, on Instagram. I just do it on my couch. I'm just like, this is me. This is me. These are my thoughts. One minute. <laughs> That's hey, that's the way to go. That's the way to go. Um, Ace, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, we'll have thank you. All right. All right. See ya.